0: I'll just welcome Rue as he comes. Could you turn to Colossians, please? We're nearing the end of our series on Colossians. Wasn't Dan good last week? The stuff that Dan brought. If you've not heard uh, what he spoke about, please listen to the podcast. It's a little bit ropey in parts, but you'll, you'll grasp what it was that he was saying. Uh, And I know that from a number of people, it's just had a deep impact um, from what he brought last week. So just please encourage you to to listen again to that podcast. Just want to go through the first uh, chapter and a half or into the second chapter of Colossians to remind us of the journey that we've taken so far and uh, just to set a bit of a backdrop to where we are today with Colossians. Is that all right? Excuse me. So in verse 5, it says this. Where am I? Which came from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation that ever since you first heard the truth of the good news... The Colossians had this incredible sense of faith and hope for the future because of the message that Paul had brought to them. It had transformed the way that they saw themselves, the, the religious environment that they'd been brought up in, and it had given this, this sense beyond their current situation. And today, I want to say that I believe that God is saying to a number of people... <clears throat> that he wants to stir a fresh sense of faith and hope for the future. Your story is not over yet. I found myself in the last few weeks having to say again and again to people, this is not the end of your story. This is not the end of your story. This might be a tough chapter. You might have turned the page already on a tough chapter, but this is not the end of your story. Sometimes that needs to be something that we say to ourselves to believe, to declare to our hearts and our minds, this is not the end that there is something beyond now. Why? Because we have a risen Christ who is victorious over death. We've been singing about him this morning. But that gives us hope because he's not somebody far off either, but we've already had the, the image of a king who comes by our side. But I just want to declare that to you this, today, that if you feel that you're in a tough point, this is not the end of your story. There is more to come, and it will be better. And Dan said this list last week, actually. There is, there is, the best is yet to come. We go from hope to hope, from glory to glory, faith to faith. In verse 13, it says this. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transfer, transferred us into the kingdom of his Son. So there's a lot of past tense that Paul uses here. He has done these things. We are already rescued and moved into a kingdom of his son. So taken from a place of darkness, of separation, and put into this incredible relationship with God. The reason why I want to say it is because sometimes we can live like we're still needing to be rescued from that kingdom, that the clutches of it are still holding very firmly onto us, but we are already rescued from it. Okay? We've got to believe that and declare again to ourselves I have been rescued. I am already in the kingdom of His Son. Just say, I am in the kingdom of Christ. Christ. Then when you turn over to, or in my Bible you've got to turn over, but 15 through to 20, it's all about the majesty, the power, the greatness of Jesus. And I love this verse. It's underlined. It's been repeated. It's highlighted, underlined, scribbled on, scribbled through, uh, cross-referenced, Because it's just such a phenomenal exploration of how great our Christ is. The Chosen One. The Son of God, who is here right now. And it's just beautiful. Read it again and again and again. Again in verse 21, it says, This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him. Paul is, is highlighting again and again and again that we were enemies. We were separated. But again, it's all past tense. We're not those things anymore. You're not separated from God. One of the things that when tough times kick in, God seems all of a sudden very far away. Like the word that Helen brought, that we need to stand outside the window lobbing stones up. A surprise trainer once I drove up when I was at university in Cheltenham and she was at um, university here in Loughborough, and I got there really early in the morning, I stood outside the window, throwing stones up like that, ping, ping, ping. It took forever, she's a deep sleeper. She's all, almost to the stage, I was trying to like, boom, throw a rock up through the window. Eventually, with bleary eyes, she just looked at me. It took ages to compute, it was actually real, and that was there, and I was like, I've just driven an hour and a half to see it. let me in. But we, we don't need to do that with Jesus. We're not there lobbing up the stones. We're not separated. He is with us. Verse 22. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of, death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Paul wasn't deluded. He hadn't met one or two people in Colossae and thought, these guys are just amazing. You know when you meet some people and you just you can't imagine they would ever say or do anything wrong and then when they do, pop, your little bubble bursts and you just think, no! They weren't perfect after all. But that's God's declaration over every single one of us. Holy and blameless without fault. He's trying to get across a message where people are, re- again and again are trying by religious means to become perfect and holy. Try and be what God has already said they are. Just right at the beginning, in, in the garden, when God said to Adam and Eve oh, no, that they, they, they were his children, and the devil twisted that to say, reach out, try and do something to make you more like you already are. And that's what sin has done ever since. He's tried to dissuade us from believing who we are, taking away our true identity to cause us to act in a way to make ourselves better. And this is why Paul, again and again and again, is hammering home who we are, that we are holy and blameless, that we're in his presence, In verse 27, it says this, myst- this mystery that has been revealed, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Again and again and again, one of the things that Paul keeps talking about is assurance. He wants those guys and he wants us to be assured of who we are because he knows that it's a difficult thing for us to grasp because of the, the life and everything else that surrounds us, just who we are. Because we constantly believe less of ourselves. Because somehow religiosity takes away and creeps in and tries to make us feel less than what we are. And makes it sound like you're not humble enough. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And then verse 28, this is the pivot point. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone, with all wisdom God has given us, we want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. Everything that Paul does, when you read through his other letters, all the different shipwrecks and the beatings, when he's well fed or whether he's hungry, this is what it's all for. Not to present people perfect in their religion. Not to present shiny Christians to Jesus, but to present us perfect in our relationship with Him. His obsession is with relationship with Christ. That's what it is all about. That's what His letters, that's what His journeys, everything is about this incredible relationship with Christ. That again and again and again, the different settings, the different environments that... These disciple making communities are springing up in the issue is always to attack relationship with Christ. It's to erode it, it's to distract, it's to pull away from, is that erroneous teaching would come in and pull people's attention away from the real thing the person, Jesus, the resurrected king. If we look into uh, chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, it says, Now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots go down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. There was a little throwaway line. I don't know if you heard it last week from Dan. They said that an oak tree is just an acorn that stood its ground. That's Beautiful. An oak tree is just an acorn that has stood its ground. It put its roots down and it caused fruitfulness. It caused life. It caused abundance. It caused the ability for more to be grown as well, for a whole forest to be grown. Paul's appealing to the church. Allow your roots to go down draw your nourishment draw your life from christ because it will produce more life as well and this is this is the section i've got this today so this is the backdrop to where paul's coming to verse 13 to 23 you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not cut away then, God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all of our sins. He cancelled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it. That record, that tag, that label that was over us that said, no good, separated, unworthy, has been done away. All the charges against us have been dealt with because of his, his death and resurrection in this way he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink, for not celebrating certain holidays or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come, and Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you By insisting on pious self denial or the worship of angels, saying that they've had visions about these things, their sinful minds have made them proud and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. They're not, but you are. We are connected to Christ, the head of the body. For he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments and it grows as God nourishes it. You have died with Christ. And he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about these, uh, these things that deteriorate as we use them. The rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline. But they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. So the real stuff... The substance of what Paul is talking about is this relationship with Christ. That, Like I said, it's the pivot point of everything that Paul was doing with his life. The absolute transformation from terrorist to somebody that was just obsessed with Jesus. But somehow, religion, somehow, different philosophies of the world, in our post-modern world or post postmodern world, there are so many truths that try and erode the truth of Christ, of who He is. Lord, I ask that today, Spirit of God, do a deep work in our hearts and our minds. Lord, where where there's stuff that still lurks, that takes us away from a, a true understanding and a lifestyle that flows in line with who You have made us. Lord, help us to move beyond those things this morning, not through our effort, not through trying hard but just by receiving you jesus thank you that you are our king that it is all about you that you are the hope of our salvation you are the hope of our glory you're amazing lord amen a little secret when i was at university uh, i was asked if i would do i would model in a fashion show and Which I said yes, I was, I was incredibly flattered. I was in year two at uni, and um, it was in the height of my athletics career, so I was lighter and leaner than I am now, and I had to wear some tight clothes. But I had to, I had to spend a few weeks beforehand learning to walk on the catwalk. Uh, I had lessons of how to do this. There's a, there's a group of us, from, uh, PE students, uh, that were muscular and all of that type of stuff, and we had to strut down the catwalk strike a pose, turn around and then walk back with confidence, enjoying the clothes we were wearing, although I didn't know what they were going to be. Uh, one of the, There were different seasons of clothes that we had to wear, so one of them I had to walk down with daffodils in my arms. I felt less, less than strong and confident at that moment, walking with daffodils in my arms. Um, huh? You know what, as I, was, as I was preparing this, I thought that might come about. I'm hoping... <laughs> See, Aww. Debbie Long, I've liked you for many, many years now, but uh, right now, can I move on or not? I don't know if I could do it. I might break my ankle or something like that. One of the things with fashion is that it's all about labels. Um, one, I've discovered this recently around Christmas time, these two uh, trainers, there's pairs, they're not a match, this is not a a single pair of trainers. Um, These belong to Ethan and these are mine. In my eyes, there's not a huge amount of difference, okay? Both got similar types of soles and style and material and everything. One of these, you would not be seen dead in if you're a 16-year-old uh, guy whereas if you're 45 year old then both look the same and one is fine and the other is not one is made by adidas and is extremely cool and expensive they were his birth these christmas present these were less expensive these are new balance so he has got a decent label on them i thought but apparently you can't you would not be seen dead in these i will be seen well alive in them hopefully not dead in them but it's all about the label Because if they're the same color, they pretty much look the same. But it's all about the label. Label gives meaning. It gives value. It gives identity. And fashion, in a shallow way, revolves around that and the spin of label. And what other people say is cool and what is not cool. What is valuable, what is not valuable sociologists talk about something called the the label theory so that if um, you are labelled by somebody else as a chav or deviant or whatever, you may own that label and then a self-fulfilling prophecy kicks in and you become what other people have said about you. And it's a label that a lot of people have lived with and it's a judgement from here about that person That can shape how they think about themselves and therefore how they live in line with that. We self label. We say stuff to ourselves. We we give ourselves labels that then we live in line with those things. They become self fulfilling prophecies because of things that we say about ourselves and about other people. That's why what we say, both about ourselves and others, is so important and I don't know if you ever catch the words that are coming out of your mouth or the just the overflow the attitude that comes about somebody else that is almost like a, a judgment or a statement about somebody else but I want to encourage you to be careful what we say and declare about other people and about yourself I challenged somebody just recently they call themselves a silly cow okay somebody that I was happened to be in proximity to I just said that is so far from the truth. I'm not, I've not got B A M, but I have got a, a COD. I'm child of God at the end of my name. And each one of us is true. It's not because of anything that I've done. I could not earn that. He's done that for me. And that is his declaration over my life. But fashion is, is all about the external stuff, religion is all about the shallow external stuff that creates labels. And we join in with it, and we allow other things to start to define how we think about ourselves, what we say about ourselves, and we carry labels. I've, I've brought a whole bunch of labels here, and in a moment, I would love it if um, I could have some help handing these out. Could you do? No, 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 sorry. Could you do it in catwalk fashion instead of me doing? No, 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 no. no. Could you? Is all right. Can you give two to each people, each person, please? I hope. We've got enough. If not, there's some just by my bag. We become the label that we wear. We, it goes beyond just an external thing into shaping how we feel about ourselves. It's incredible to see. I looked at a whole different, uh, different statements by famous uh, fashion designers. But a lot of it is about when you wear these clothes, it does shape and help you feel better about yourself. But the, the label over us, the declaration of our life, is one of eternal life. He's one of a child of God. And we become, we become the label that we wear. That's why the record of our past has been done away with. It's been taken away. So on these two labels, on one of the labels, I'd like you to write... Some of the lies that you've lived under, some of the the untruths that have have almost caused you and have caused you to be restricted in your life. It might just be that you don't feel worthy. It might be that you're living with some sense of shame. But we're going to destroy these because they're no longer true. Jesus has done away with that. And on the other label, I want you to declare a truth that God says about you take that one home and put it up somewhere what is it that God has said to you and if you've not heard him say anything clearly to you in your life yet about who you are as a child of his I pray that God will speak to you right now to write something down that is profound that will shape you for the rest of your life in the way that you live out the identity that God has given you so one of those labels you're just going to rip up you can throw it on the floor it's not true have you got enough or there's there's some just by my bag I think in two packs thank you God is dealing with some old labels today tags that have been over your mind and your heart stuff that either somebody else has said about you or to you that has always lived and this keeps coming back in the quiet moments, in the middle of the night or just that you, you carry it with you. And God is, is dealing with us today. Write down the new label, a new declaration of what God says about you. I don't know if you've ever done this as well. When you've worn an item of clothing and you've gone to a party or you've gone somewhere and somebody else is wearing exactly the same thing But when you see them in it, you might think, they look so much better in it than what I do. And instantly, there's a comparison between you and them. And I need you to listen to this. Comparison cripples. God wants to heal crippled hearts, minds, and gifts this morning. It spoke very clearly to me, I saw cripples. Cripples. And God wants to heal that thing that has hindered you, that thing that has held you back, that thing that has caused you to feel crippled in gifting, in who you are as a person. Because it's, it's not true. There's been a comparison between you and somebody else, and you've seen yourself smaller, lesser, and lower than what they are. It doesn't matter what they are like. They are them. You are you. In all your unique, wonderful individuality that God has created you as you are with the gifts that you have. That he wants to deal with that crippledness today and set you free to walk strong and with a fresh confidence in him and a fresh assurance. That's what Paul talks about again and again and again. This assurance that comes from knowing Christ, knowing who we are in him. So he's doing away with old labels. It's a new season. It's a new fashion season. With, it's all about connectivity. It's all about being connected with Christ. That's the theme of our fashion now, is our connectivity with Christ, with a new label over your life, a new identity, new sense of value, new sense of purpose. I believe that there's going to be a lack of hindrance. What has what been there that has hindered before, that has caused you to feel crippled in who you are, in your life in Jesus, that has affected every other area of life. That God wants to deal with that today. To set you free to walk with fresh strength and a confidence that no matter what, no matter who it is that you've compared yourself with in the past, that not, it then becomes a reversal of that so that you feel almost proud. But just who you are, free to be gifted and anointed child of God that you've been designed to be. So there are two things I just want to say before I finish. The first one is to remain in Him. John 15, if you want to study what John 15 this week, this month spend time meditating over John 15 it's all about intimacy it's all about our connectedness with him but what I'd like you to do as well is in remaining in his word it might be on the flip side of the the tag that you keep the label that you keep is to write down remind yourself of some of the prophetic words that people have brought to you over the years if you've never had a prophetic word I'd love to pray with you at the end and speak some of the truth of God into your heart and your mind. He gives us those words to stand on, to become strong. Let let it be like an acorn experience that you go into Him and let your roots go deep into Him, stand your ground and become strong. It might be that you had words years ago that are still hanging on to and you've not seen the fulfillment of those. I believe that this, in this new season, that is going to happen. You're going to see some of these things happen. Thank you. Declare those things out. It might be that they've just become dust collectors for you. Don't let these words from the past just gather dust. Blow it off and speak life into that like an ember, breathe onto it and cause life to come. Let it become a raging fire again. Allow... One of the things I sensed in, in, in praying and, and building up to this is just I feel that God's word has not become or has in, for some, has, has not, it doesn't carry the authority that it used to have in your life. So whether that's prophetic words that come or whether it's when you spend time reading the Bible, that it's, it's just, it doesn't carry the sense of authority. You're not coming to it, allowing that to change you. It's almost like you come in as the expert to, to see whether you agree with it or not. And God wants to, to turn that back around, to let it be an authority back into your life to shape and to form. It's become just a bit of a, an empty exercise in reading the Bible recently. Um, allow it to be an authority. Allow it. Submit yourself to what God has whispered into there. To speak fresh life into you again, and then can you just turn to Revelation, uh, Revelation two, please? This is a bit heavy, this bit. Okay, so stick with me on this. This is a word to the different churches um, that God was speaking to John about that he then wrote down. This is a church. This is a word to Ephesus, the church in Ephesus. Chapter two, verse one, it says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know all the things that you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they're apostles, but are not. You've discovered they're liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you first did. I argued with God on this. I didn't want to say it. But I feel that there are some who have worked so hard for God that have been able to do incredible things discerning between who really is apostolic and who's not. That you've done incredible things for God and you've worked so hard And you've had this patient endurance and it's just become a plod. And you're faithful and you're obedient and that's good. But in it, that passion for Jesus, that love for who he is and for his people has dwindled. I just want to encourage you, come back to your first love. Come back to your first love these, these things are okay, and it's, it's a sign of faithfulness. But we can lose sight of the one that he's all for. We can lose sight of Jesus in the midst of working so hard for him and trying to be a good Christian, whatever that is. It's just nonsense, okay? That is nonsense. He just wants followers. He just wants people who love him. With every ounce of their being, just love Him. And so if that's you today, come back to your first love. Don't forsake it. Don't, where it's become stale, have a date night. Get passionate with God again. Love Him. Put yourself onto Him. Like Mary at His feet. Whatever it takes, break it at His feet. And Just love Him. Forget all the other stuff. Lean on him again. Pour yourself out on him. But come back to the first love. Because our passionate love with Jesus transforms the way that we love other people. So an indication of this, if you're struggling to love other people, your passionate love affair with Jesus has died down. Okay? It's impossible to love Jesus full on and get really irritated with the people around you on a constant, but on a regular basis. Okay? It's an indicator. It's not one or the other. It's, it's, it only comes hand in hand. I know it's pretty heavy stuff to say, but please receive that. Love him. Worship him in the way that you have done in the past, but for some reason, it's just, it feels like an effort. Okay, the last thing then. So the first one was remain in him. The second one is risk deep relationships. Read Acts 2. Just throw yourself in, like at the deep end of the swimming pool. Get onto the high board, the 10 meter one. You know, I don't know if you've ever stood on the 10 meter board. It's like, oh, the pool. For somehow, somehow the pool was this wide, and all of a sudden it's this wide. And you've got to jump from 10 meters into that small gap. It's It's petrifying how people dive into it. I mean, I've jumped in it and nearly soiled myself at the same time, you know. So just scrap that bit from the podcast. You did it. I did it. Yeah. Left bits of my body everywhere as well. It's just... <laughs> but do that. Dive right into Acts 2. But let it be a fresh authority to your life, like I said in the first point. Because there's some stuff we can learn in that. Sit down and do a Bible study with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, teach me from what it is that you've inspired in this. Speak to me because I'm coming as a student again. I'm coming as one to learn to this because there's some stuff there. That's the reason why it's there in black and white or red. Because I know that there's something that you want to instruct me in and change me in and enable me to to do as a result of this. But read it with a lens of, of other people, of community, of, of the family of God that uh, you've planted in. Like Dan talked to a lot about last week in terms of that, that planting with, with passion and with commitment as well and conviction. And then this is the, the risk. In the deep risk of relationship, like with passionate love, you open your heart out. And you become incredibly vulnerable and in that moment you can get hurt you can get trampled on and part of life that will happen even in a church that will happen but you either shut down and don't allow that to happen and live with pain anyway because you will or you allow yourself to be vulnerable to other people in God and when pain happens Forgiveness comes too. And grace and love flow. And you talk it and you walk it until it's healed. But risk anyway. Because that's the negative side. There's a very, very positive side as well. Something of the love and the life of Jesus gets displayed through our life when we gather together, when we speak together, and then we can show that to other people as well. But it only comes when we, when we risk That depth of relationship, that vulnerability. Just look at Acts 2. Read it again and again and say, God, what do I need to do to be like one of these people that were part of the early disciple making communities? Just allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, to feed you as you read it. See what he says, because he wants to say something to every single one of us about that, because he's there for a reason, it's there for a purpose. Can I just pray and then we, that's it, we're done. Do you want to just stand up, please? Lord, the stuff that you've said that you wanna to, to do in our hearts and our minds. First of all, Jesus, we say we trust you wholeheartedly. What an amazing God that would come and be a man. Die in the way you did and live a resurrected life. Life having defeated all the different spiritual powers and authorities, demolishing all the rules and the regulations, the tags, the labels that speak falsehood over who we are. But Lord, I thank you you've given us a new identity. Lord, where we, in, in some cases, become crippled because of comparison. Lord, where truths or twisted truths that have become lies, that become deceitful things that have been spoken over us, that we have owned ourselves, either that have come from our own mind or that other people have fed in. I ask that this morning, Lord Jesus, You would do something so powerful to break those lies, to remove them from our minds, where they've become something that like a rod on our back that has, has hit us again and again. Lord, I pray that You'll demolish those this morning. And Father, I pray that where that passionate love for you that that fire for you has died down god i just ask right now for fresh encounter with you That spirit of god you would do something so deep to cause that first love to rise again lord we fix our eyes not on what our what we can do not on our efforts to try to be a a good christian but instead we fix our eyes on you the author and perfecter of our faith and say jesus He's all it's all for you. It's all to you. It's all from you, Lord Jesus. We love you. You are everything. We're passionately in love with you, Lord Jesus. So, Lord, I just pray that you breathe right now in hearts and minds that become dull and dimmed. Cause the fire to stir again. Fire of God, just stir right now inside people's hearts and minds. Lord, let that passionate love affair become something that is, is so, uh, just that spreads. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord God. We love you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. God, Lord, I just thank you that you've not called us for rules and regulations, but you called us for relationship with you. And we choose that every day over rules and regulations. Anything that comes back to, to try and pull us back, we say yes to you, Lord Jesus. Yes to, to relationship with you and not everything else. Lord, help us to be accountable to each other in living our true relationship with you and with each other. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Amen.